to me, my podcast listeners. Welcome to the 29th installment of the Dom of X Show. I am your host, as always, uh, Mr. Dom Torres, the the one and only. I'm, I'm here in the flesh. And at my side, again, for the 29th time, is my amazing co-host, Mr. Combo Book Creator, the one and only Dylan Gray. How are you doing today, my dude? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Finished these two books today, and boy, huh, whew, it's some... It's some good content of all of these characters across the freaking board, don't you think, Dom? Oh, I completely agree. There, are, there are a lot of twists, turns, handles, whatever you want to call it, that that we wanna we wanna immediately cover once once we get into that onset. But before that, I have to tell you guys, there there is a lot of stuff post episode 30 that i am planning to do to expand the audience and all the stuff that we're doing here on the podcast as you guys know i i love dabbling and stuff i do graphic design i make videos and all that i am playing my brand new pc and I, I think i talked about this before on the pod i talked about this with with dylan as well i am planning to do a whole bunch of more stuff open up a youtube channel do some more things because i want to expand everything and dylan's going to be here of course and there's just so much i want to do in regards to all this x content so because of the brand new pc and because of all the stuff that i that has opened up as far as of the possibilities are concerned there are so many things we've gotten planned we got stored and we hope you are here to enjoy all of it Definitely. Dom has been cooking up some uh, pretty dope stuff, guys, and I can't wait for you all to see it. But enough about that. What can we talk about these freaking book right now? I am so freaking juiced right now. I completely forgot, completely forgot, because it's been years since I read this, about all the crazy Emma Frost content that was in the the third right in the middle of this of this arc or, or of this run with Whedon and Cassidy and uh, Martin and <laughs> you gotta love it you gotta love it a redemption arc if I may for Emma Frost wouldn't you say you you know exactly what my feelings are about the White Queen Mister Dylan let's not let's not get let's not get head over heels okay for for Emma because of this. In, in this weird like in, in what we had torn and dangerous because i got i got this big hardcover and i was able to read all of emma's dubiousness and um questionable mind tricks to say the least i was frankly and very very upset about the way she treated <laughs> all of the other x-men in these two, in these two volumes, I really want. I'm, I'm not even going. Like, gee, How, where do you want to start? How dare you? How <laughs> dare you? First of all, she was the victim. Okay, we had a. She had a crazy psychic parasite in her brain, controlling her actions, trying to get their body back. Okay, she was going against the X Men against her will. She was willed into it, and still at the end ended up. Falling in love with your boy Cyclops. Why? Because there's something going on in that brain that turns psychic chicks on. I don't know what it is, but there's something going on in there. It must be really beautiful in there or something. Because oh, he's no, such a boy scout. But I, I have, I have learned about this over the years. Like it's, it's weird because like that's just seems like his type or the type that falls under like his. 
whatever whatever you want to call cycle his psyche if you want to call it you got gene <laughs> you have betsy right emma like i i just don't i really want to know like what what turns people off because it's it's he's not the most handsome x-men even though he is a decently handsome folk <laughs> he's not the most handsome I'll, I'll fully admit to that but there's just something that turns telepaths telekinetic uh mutants on that i i just don't get what i i really don't yeah no there's some there's some like crazy like stuff like psychotic stuff happening in there that's just really awesome because look I mean, he was definitely Professor Xavier's number one pupil for a reason. You know what I'm saying? Uh, in the in the cartoon, I, I remember specifically when Rogue took his powers and went into his head. She like later went on to him and was like, "Hey, I wanna, I'll uh, let's do that anytime." You know, so that's a thing. That is a thing. But let's we're not talking about that. What we're talking about right now is is Emma, okay, being a victim of a psychic parasite, okay, and why she turned, she literally thought the Hellfire Club was there, and she had no choice in the matter, okay, why, why are you blaming, the so that, so here, that's bro? her excuse when she manipulates my boy twice, gets a decent, almost chuck him to kill, now you can say, I think, whatever you want to about being a victim under, under duress, and I, I get that completely, what I don't get is that, like, this shows that she is very capable and this is this is like the monster turned out inside you. It's like, okay, so let's say she if she wasn't under mind control, if we wasn't all of that. Oh my gosh! Like I I don't know. I would be very uncomfortable if because I'm I'm I don't know if any of the other telepathic X Men who are more morally straight than Emma would would ever do that in any circumstance. I just don't like. I'm reading this. I'm reading her turning against ever like literally. It's like, I just don't know if any morally straight character or, or anyone more righteous in that dignified sense would do the things that Emma did against the X-Men. I'm being straightforward. We, we can't sit here and we can't sit here and speculate on the history of Emma, okay? Is she evil or did she have to become evil out of environmental shit? We don't really know. There's not really a deep dive on that. And the, all the good that she's done with the X-Men would say that it was nurture over nature why she was evil. What She was put in this situation. It's almost like a Stockholm Syndrome situation. I mean, look how easy it was for that psychic to manipulate her. You know what I'm saying? But is it okay I, for her to manipulate others because of whatever it may be? And, and, and she's gone on record manipulating people on her own mind will despite the fact that in this situation it might not have been but you can count a decent amount of times where the, her manipulative self has not been for good let's just say it's 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 deviated and and gone against some folks so i'm it's she's a very morally ambiguous case and one that i tend to think that like oh my gosh i'm I'm just, I'm still reading this, and it's like, she still did it. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. She did it because, she, like I said, it was against her own will. And when it came down to her actually choosing and cleansing her mind and all that kind of stuff, look where she was. All right? She, I honestly think the whole entire experience really got her in touch with her own feelings 
for Cyclops, okay? It got her closer to him because she really realized at the end of the day she's not really a plant. She actually does love him. And these are real feelings. And he loves her, which is a whole big thing. I mean, it's it's not going to be easy for any superhero couple, okay? Let alone mutants, which are constantly being attacked. But, you know, they make it work. And they make it work well, all right? That's all I'm saying. What, so what you're saying is she just wants to dig into Sykes' pants. And that's exactly what turned her over. It wasn't even, like, out of her no. own... Fruit. That's what, that's what you're no, saying. Okay, no. Dylan. Interesting went, take. Okay. Around, okay, the, okay, it's that old, that old trope. Like, she came to him originally wanting to be in a relationship as a negative, like, behind, like, some, like, cloak and dagger shit. But then she ended up falling in love with him. Because, A, his brain's, some, for some reason, is freaking beautiful. And also because he's a good person and he brings out the good in her. Which is what I've been saying why they're so good together. Because that's what it is. It's always... She brings out the good in Cyclops. She brings out the badassness in Cyclops. Making him do these more rash decisions that he needs to make. And he brings out the good in her. Alright? It's a yin-yang situation, bro. And that's why they're always the best couple. And these two issues perfectly go over that. And in the best way, too. Remember when they're on Breakworld, okay? They're fighting on Breakworld. They're flying through the air and doing all that stuff. And what happens, okay? They're having their conversation. Okay, yeah, I need you to bear right. I'm going to shoot them. But then they're at the same time, they're talking about their feelings and everything. And they're getting closer. And they're mending their bridge right there. You know? Which is one of the best things you could do as a superhero writer is like having crazy shit going on and they're like still focused on their own lives <laughs> you know i love that kind of banter <laughs> i mean i like i like the conversation that she had with danger like i like it's it's crazy it's weird because like often we usually think of fights as the sort of best way to mend a certain situation uh right that's like oh there's a bad guy and there's a good guy or there's like this guy and that guy and someone needs to win, and good always prevails over the bad by punching, right? I, I, I actually thought that that conversation she had with Danger was really cool, because it showed, like, oh, hey, we can solve our problems, not by, you know, tearing up to, like, her getting into a diamond and using her psychic, whatever it may be, right? Uh, they just talked, they talked it out, and yeah, it worked decently. I will I, admit to that point, because I, I, I again, you, you know me, <laughs> and and my stance on on the other things, but I I really enjoyed that uh, conversation she had with with Danger as far as hey don't don't kill us we're we're fine and and that was really cool. Yeah, well, and that's why she's a good character and she understands everything. And like I, I wouldn't say understands book, everything, a, Dylan. A of, I wouldn't say understands. And there, I there think are, she understands. I think she understands the plight of people going through pain more than most. Um, wouldn't you say? I'd say a lot of other X-Men characters have that over her. Um, she's okay in that well, category. I mean, yeah. Wow. Okay. Well. <laughs> just the blatant amount. It's just hate. Like, there's not even logic to it anymore. It's just straight up hatred. So, moving on, because there's other ships that we could talk about in this book. Um, but before we get to those other yeah. ships... Before we get to those other ships, can we go talk about the Grand Geek Gathering and what they've got going over there? Because there is a lot of stuff they've got over there at that place. Okay, like we got we got a whole bunch of uh, I, I I don't know whatever you want to call it. So please go ahead, guys. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna talk about the Grand Geek Gathering, and then we'll continue on with this podcast. 
To my podcast listeners, The Grand Geekery is the best show for all news on pop culture, as well as a diversified variety of segments, conventions, and everything nerdy. Hosted by our very own Tyler McPhail and with Lamar Harris, the show runs twice a month and is available on all platforms. Please go ahead and check it out at The Grand Geek Gathering or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Alright, hey guys, welcome back to the Domovec Show, where we just talked about what the Granky Gathering has in host for all of you amazing, amazing people, because they, they, they are amazing. We need to talk about more, again, because relationships are the fundamental structure of everything in fiction, whether it's regarding oneself and oneself, or others and oneself, or whatever it may be. Abigail Brand, your, your homegirl... The person we were both waiting for, for yes. to read in Al Ewing Sword. Mm-hmm. She, I, I like, I'm reading this, this second arc because we get a little bit more of her into what she's actually like as a character, what her personality is and, and all that. And the stuff that she has with Beast, like all that personal, whatever you want to call it. And, and the tangling duos over there made me like her character more. And with, with all the stuff that happened with Beast because of the Emma stuff and the manipulation and all that, I got a chance to feel more for Brand's, uh, Brand, off brand, I don't know how you call it, like her, her, her very standoffish character. That's what I'll say. Her very standoff. Her short, her shortness. Her shortness, her unsocial behavior, her non-human etiquette. Like, let's be realistic, because she's not. She's half-human, the other half-alien. So, she says it herself, like, she can't socialize well because she's freaking half-alien. Like, her, she doesn't dye her hair green, it's naturally that color. I I would like to, you know what, because this, this, is, this has always been the part of that that has been cool, at least as far as her design goes. I find it cool when, like, there's this, like, mutant or there's this character that you think, like, oh, they dyed their hair purple, but it's actually not, like, it's actually not dye, it's natural hair. I don't know, I, I think her green hair is cool, I like the hairstyle, like, sue me, um, it's just, it's just part of what I like about her character. Definitely, no, it's great, it's great. Um, uh, and also she's got powers like you, you, I remember originally reading it and she's like, yeah, there's a reason why they call me Brandon. It's not my given name. She literally can just make her hands extremely hot, which is really freaking cool. And apparently her father is a big furry beast. So that's why she kind of starts to fall for beast. He question he she says even straight up to him like you question everything I do every step of the way and I need someone like that in the field with me to make sure that my decisions are right because you we handled this op perfectly well together and also I'm super into you so why don't you come join Sword? <laughs> and, it's so and weird, her, yeah, because and they got it's not and it's, the funny thing about Sword is like having Beast on the station working with them is it's not a crazy thing to see. You know, because they got all the other aliens on there. I mean, even freaking Lockheed, for Christ's sake. He's even a sword agent. 
<laughs> oh my gosh, it's crazy. But before we we continue, can like Brand is a mutant. I I think she's like that a freaking weird because retcons and all that stuff. So because because right. right now she's she's able to pass through the gate. She's able to go on Krakoa and and all that BS. Um, is she? Do you think it's cool? Way? So it's been no. She's an actual official mutant. Official she's an official mutant. mutant. Okay. Okay, I like that. That could work. So she's no longer alien, or she's half alien, half mutant. She's half. She's still. She's a. She's an alien mutant hybrid, but she has the mutant gene. Got it. Got it. Okay, I'm here. Boom. Focused. Good. Boom. 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 You know who else has the booms, and who I've actually been low key enjoying in in this book? Freaking Lockheed. Can yes. can we low just key? acknowledge that this low key enjoying high key. bro high key? Are you kidding me? Anytime that dude shows up, it's great. I it's he's so cute. I want I want I really want a Lock, Lockheed plushie. I because again I'm coming coming from this reading Marauders and his advent and Lockheed's adventures with Kate or then Kitty Pride, and so I'm coming over here like as a as a new guy who's who's experiencing the Lockheed. The lock, like, the, I guess the full experience, because he does show up, like, Lockheed is doing a lot of stuff in this book. You know, like, as a swashbuckling partner of, of Katia next to her fighting and, and wielding and, and, and shifting in and out, like, he gets to have so, there's so much personality inside this pet dragon. Like, he gets angry, he knows stuff, he's smart, he's working for sword, he's, and and like you see him, like you know, speaks wrapped up next languages, to his. Speaks multiple languages. Let's not forget that. Oh man, it's crazy to the uh, with the amount of everything that that this guy brings in, and it's just so you you I don't know you look, just look at Lockheed and you're like this guy is really cool. I like him, and so there's it, and and it's 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 crazy insane to me. How much volume that this 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 dragon has? Because again, when you think of pets, when you think of characters who can't speak, um, like you know, in like like I guess English because for the lack of better, like can't speak readable words. Um, it's it's just something you enjoy when there's a character is given a lot of emotion uh, through other means, and it's just fun to read. There there is there's a lot of magic that holds within inside and. It's it's the best thing ever. Definitely, definitely. And I don't know when they officially made him an alien. Was he always an alien? That's something I've never knew. Uh, could have been a later retcon or like something they added to it. Uh, how did like when did Lockheed even come around the X Men in the first place? I know he's always been bonded with Kitty, but like what else? You know, like was it some like Excalibur mission or something like I don't know where would he come from So from what I what I understand he was found it, he was he's a Claremont character he came about in the 80s uh Lockheed of course he's Claremont. <laughs> <laughs> uh Kate found uh found him on on Slee's world as this weird uh flock whatever you want to this purple dragon uh we don't know much about we actually don't know i think any of the history of the of the dragon like alien creatures that they're bonded from but 
Cape yeah. Dragon Planet. Dragon Planet. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'd like to. I'd like to go to that place sometime. Maybe I can find myself Lockheed there. But yeah, we don't. We don't. Yeah. We don't really know much about Lockheed besides that. We we and but whatever the two that whatever the bond has between um, Catherine and and Lockheed. It's a very strong bond. It's a very tight bond. It's it's something that I'm pretty sure they're the only two people in the world who understand. You know, they love each other. They're they're fun. They're cuddly, right? right? And that's again, like relationships are awesome. And I I enjoyed those two in this book. So, oh, it's so cute. I I really want a Lockheed plushie so bad. <laughs> you could. I'm sure there's one somewhere. At the very least, you can get a Spyro. You know, at the very least. Mm. <laughs> Do you do you think they make Not Funko the Pops of that too? Of of, of a uh, Lockheed, yeah. Of Lockheed, yeah. no. Nah. That would um, it wouldn't surprise me, but I doubt there's a Lockheed Funko Pop. But it wouldn't surprise me at the same time. Um, but yeah, speaking yeah, and while we're still on the subject of relationships, uh, and like weird ones, how about let's talk about Wolverine and armors, like kind of uh mentor mentee kind of relationship in the in this book you know because she get basically they they get kidnapped by brand they bring them she brings them on board and gets gets them heading towards break world to get the crazy armada from break world to dis- that's plenty on destroying earth you know and they start heading out there and armor just happened to be in the vicinity and gets sucked up into the the tractor beam whatever you want to call it you know and she uh, basically, Wolverine's like, guess what? You're an X-Men now. Like, deal with it. Like, I believe in you. Like, if all these people know, it's it's all good. Like, let's let's start. Like, class is in session, you know? And she's like, I want to be called Armor. And he's like, a little bit on the nose, but okay, that's fine. And, like, just the whole, like, every, t- every time he's just showing her the ropes and just, like, helping her be the X-Men that she wants to be. Because that was always her plan from the beginning of the book. That I want to be an X-Men. That's that's the goal, to be on the A-team. That's what I want to do. And um, this is why I've, I'm such a big Armor fan. You know what I'm saying? Uh, specifically what happens at the end, you know, at, when, when all the sad stuff happens. And she she goes to Wolverine he's like, can you help? Can I help? And he goes, are you beer? And so she punches him and says, like, I'm sorry. That, like, you're sad and I need to train. So let's let's figure this out. And he goes, you know, my claws can go through your armor. She's like, you can try. It was pretty dope. That was a dope moment. I, I really liked that. And that th- it was like the beginning of her real big character build that they never really got to until now. Right? I mean, they're, they barely have done anything with, with armor since her creation. Uh, and it, it drives me crazy. That's why, I've, that's why I, uh, I hope that she would have won the, the, the uh, election. Did, did they choose a winner for the election at this? I'm point pretty yet? sure all the votes are in. We're just waiting for the final X Man to come. During, you know when they when we get the votes in in June in in the Hellfire Gala. So that'll be pretty lit. But besides that, like you, we have. I told you we have her in Sword. She's a part of the Sword team. So you're gonna get her in in there somewhere. Okay, we 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 we. Al Ewing's got at the very least. Al Ewing has got you on that. But. I really love that first conversation when, when they come flying down on, on break world and, and all of that stuff. And Mr. Logan is over here and he's pretty much on the brink of like, he's, he's di- like, he looks like he's, he's, he's dried up. He's scorched up. He, you can't even see his face. And so he's like, Hey, just let me, I man, it was, it was a really hilarious conversation too. Cause again, like what you said, where 
he he she's like I want to be called armor and he's like you know like uh, yeah thinking it's very direct and I'm thinking of calling myself claws because you know that's that's what that's what Wolverine has as a weapon and <laughs> armor's just like it's not stench because I'm pretty sure because of all the flames that have are coming out from Wolverine's body I'll I'll just say this man like that that guy is a uh, he he probably must be sticking up pretty badly compared to what he already probably does smell like. So, you know, there's there's a little food for thought there. In a world where all the largest pop figures in life are superheroes with capes, how about all the creators and characters who don't feel the spotlight as large as the others? What if I told you that there was an awesome podcast dedicated to the best creator-owned comics out there. Guys, Indie Comics is a show specified for all your indie comics needs. Self-publishers, branched-off creators, and small company powerhouses all come into play with them. Please go check out their show on the Grand Geek Gathering and all podcast platforms. That is, again, Indie Comics. And always time for a little bit of Wolverine hate from our good friend. Love Professor you. Dom. <laughs> I had to dig, man. So you had to dig. You had to dig, and you know you should do a little bit more digging around thegrandgeekgathering.com and see what all of our other content creators on the website are doing. Dom, what are they getting up to these days? That's a good question, Dylan. I'll tell everyone right after we take this short little break. So we'll be back, ladies and gentlemen. Give us give us a couple seconds. All right, guys, welcome back to so, um, what? No, okay, my bad. What's up? Hold on, hold on, hold on. before we before we start, I th- th- this is how I think we should we should end it. Let me know what you think. Uh, I want to talk about we can talk about action scenes. That way, we could talk about the page turn with Colossus, which is the dopest page turn of all, all of comics history. I don't care what anyone mm-hmm. says, and then we could talk about the Kitty and Colossus stuff. Oh yeah, no, that's that's yeah, no. So yeah, we got we got Kitty Colossus, we got the action stuff. Then we have need to talk about John Cass. We need to compliment Cassidy for the amazing art in this book. Okay, I like guess those are the the three main uh, talking points and square heads, and then yeah, we can hit it on that. All right, so yeah. Press the wrong button. Press the wrong button. Let me poke. Oh, I can't poke everyone? What? And they're not letting me individual... Po- okay, here we go. They froze for a minute. I see y'all. I see y'all. Okay. And we're back. Welcome back, guys, to the Dom of X. With, again, it's me, Dom. Dylan's on the other side. Oh, yeah, let's let's get straight into, again, the final... Not the final, but the second half of Whedon's and, and Cassidy's astonishing X-Men run. Well, let me just say... The, the final relationship that I, I, I we need to talk about, and this is, because this is this is crazy, because you're like, this book is going to make me like Scott and Emma, and this book has failed me, or has failed me to uh, give any reason to like Scott and Emma. But if there is one thing that this book did not fail in, this Whedon, Cassidy, and all the rest of the crew have given me very, very ample reason to, to like the budding romance between... Piotr Rasputin, a.k.a. Colossus, and Kitty Pride, or 
Now Cape Pride, aka Shadow Cat. I okay, I love them. They are adorable. They are cute. It's heartwarming. It's it's all it's all good feelings inside. Cause I'm not. It's not hamstrung by past uh, grievances against any party. No cheating. No scandalous, frivolous stuff. It's just understanding pain and emotion and all of that good stuff and so i'm over here sitting again like this is just really this is really cute stuff and and the and oh my gosh like first issue too <laughs> when kitty's like t it's, it's so <laughs> i was dying man i was dying totally totally <clears throat> and they said one of you know through and through there's there's all mutant books there's there's superhero books and this was 100 percent a superhero book and you could tell by the the specific love scene that they had in the middle of the book um not the first time but the second time they hooked up where she's like look we're anything bad stuff's gonna happen like we always say that we wait for the dust to settle but that's not our lives there is always going to be dust dust is part of of our life and it's never going to go away. So when we have these moments where we can be happy, where we can just take advantage of just truly being happy with each other, we need to do that. And I was like, it's such a powerful, like writing thing to just think about, like just in general, you know, like not even being a superhero, just being a, a human. Like we need, when we have those happy moments, we really do need to hold on to them. You know, obviously we don't have the lives of, of the X-Men, <laughs> you know, that still like, we need to cherish the moments that we do have with our loved ones, you know, or, or just generally just being happy and at all. You it's know all, I mean? it's really good. And I, I like that overall theme and concept of just let's take, cause and I think that this is one thing too, that I learned from last year is that always use your time as much as you can to the best of your abilities, hanging out with loved ones, hanging out with friends, hanging out with the people closest to you and making sure that you take in every single second uh, of your life in and cherishing it and, and making something useful out of it, make something beautiful, make something like it's uh, it's, it's just insane to me how like this, it's just awesome. Like I, and this was, there was also a nice comedic beat in there. Cause Colossus is like, you know, like they left food. Are you hungry? And she's like, I'm not hungry. And I thought like, she was still like taking uh, like she was just putting on her costume or like some other thing and then like the next panel i started going we we'll talk about the action scenes later because these page turners are definitely something <laughs> she, I'm like right? okay okay <laughs> I, yeah. I, I you know like yeah all right <laughs> yeah you gotta look i i got i've got no words to say that's what they're doing that's what they're doing i got words i got words i bet that was that would have steered me in the right direction that's and I, I, I love how Piotr's like because he was like well i'm very confused i'm also very tired and then she like takes takes out the 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 curtain and um oh yeah i i guess peter had a good had a good night I'll, I'll definitely i'll say that that's one thing for sure he had so hey you know what yeah this this big old russian goof who is who can turn himself or turn himself like completely make himself into steel well, see, I, I'm jealous. See, I, I, I want to, 
I got I got no other words besides that, man. I've got no other words. I'm just I'm I'm reading and again I'm reading it in oversized hardcover format. So all of this feels like a big blockbuster movie to me. I I don't know. I'm lost for words. Is there a good scene? I I've got nothing. <laughs> yeah. No. Great. Great. And yeah, page freaking. Turners, are we, I, I think it's time that we talk about the greatest page turn in the history of comics, which just happens to be Colossus content. What? Why don't you set that up for us, Dom? Because I think this is your moment. This is your moment you've been waiting for. Which, which mo- I've been waiting for a lot of moments in comics. There's, there's a, there's a gala I'm waiting for. There's the, uh, gosh, there's so many page. You know what? Wait on on one. Okay, I'll set it. Set up it up. I'll set it up for you because here here's where we have. So, without spoiling it for you guys, Cyclops comes up with a really awesome plan and does it undercover while he's saying while he's talking out loud and the enemies listening to him. They're actually all talking telepathically, and he's telling them a separate plan. So he lets himself get captured out in space by them because he knows that they know how to revive human beings. Because they, that's how they brought Colossus back. And once all this information gets to him, he's like, right when he's like, but it, none of that matters because what are you going to do? You can't hurt me. You don't even have your powers. But the thing is, he does. And he just all he does is smile. All he does is smile. And you turn the page. And explosive. Just That's when you... Shoots... The biggest optic blast I think I've seen in a long time, or ever, to be honest, and just wails it into the Dreadlord, or whatever the heck they're called. What was it? Grand Grand Gangster, or whatever the heck the These name weird, is. These we'll weird... We'll just call guy. them the green old baddies that just that happen to be parts of the break world. But anyways, I have... I have so many words to say about just how I love Colossus as a... Well, not Colossus, but how much I love Scott Summers as a character. How much I love him as a... Uh, just as a guy I can relate to. And, and also a hero. A superhero who just wants to do the right thing. Now, he... Because Cyclops has had his... He's, or he's had it somewhat restrained anyways. So they're, they're all like, you know, you have no powers. You're useless. So what can you do, right? And besides... The fact that, you know, Scott has proven himself as the greatest leader of the X-Men. He's over here and he said, and it's like, what are you supposed to do? It's like, are you just going to punch me? That's not going to do anything. And literally all of a sudden we get this big page turn. I put on some X-Men animated series music uh, while I was listening. I always do it whenever I read my stuff, but this just hit. So I was, cause I was listening to an orchestral rendition of the, x-men theme and literally as my boy opens his eyes and or lets it all out in the biggest wave and form i yelled out i screamed i was like this is insane this is this is me being like finally my guy gets a moment and shows why? Oh, like, because you, you normally, like, man, if I was Scott, like, I've got my eyes, I, like, I have to keep my eyes closed if I don't have the ruby quartz right. on, because I don't want to, I don't want to shoot, I don't want to hurt anyone. But at that point, I was like, hurt as many people as you can, because I love it so much, and it's an awesome moment. I really, and I'm hoping that 
in Hickman's Grand Saga, whether it's the beginning, middle, wherever it may be, end, I get a Cyclops moment like that. Because that is the power and and deviation my boy deserves over everyone. I want more like that. What a page turn. I did not expect it. Holy crap. It was so good. It was so, so good. It was. So, and the setup and everything, like, I had completely forgot about because I'd never, I, you know, it'd been years since I've read it. So, like, getting that page turn, I literally was like, yo! Like, I'm with you. I cheered. It was a cheering moment. And I was just like, it, it was awesome. And there's not very many things that make me do that, to be honest with you. Um, I'll tell you right now, the only other thing that's ever done that for me is My Hero Academia, which is basically um, X-Men on steroids, if I'm being honest. But... Yeah, no, they, uh, it, it was just an emotionally charged, like, big reveal. It was a reveal across the board because you're revealing the big plans and revealing, like, how everything was a setup and revealing, like, now he's got powers. It was just, boom, perfection. And it's, page turns are one of the hardest things to pull off in comics, as I've said before. So, to pull off the best one of all time, like, way to go. And it's not just this page turn. Like, they've had so many great ones in this in this series, in this run, you know, this, this was just a great team of comic booking. And honestly, all people that want to write comics, draw comics or do anything in comics need to read these 22 issues because that's how you do a proper run on comics. And it's, it's a huge testament to how great of a storyteller John Cassidy is. I think this is like, if you read his other stuff, like in planetary captain America, and this is this, this book, Astonishing X-Men, all drawn by him. No fill-ins, no one covering in for him. It's literally just him. He has shown that he can he can do dynamite, amazing action scenes and art. The expressions in everyone's faces with, you know, it being good to, you know, in, in that range. But his art is just stunning. It's It's awesome to look at. Everyone phasing through when when Katie's fighting with Emma, uh, when when Brand and all the others are are on the ships and they're all exploding out in space. That missile shoots out when when Scott gets those beams on. His his art has just shown like wow, like this guy can draw. And I know and I just don't think he's had anything before or since that has matched this level of amazing stuff from from Cassidy's pen. So it's. It's an awesome, awesome art art gallery of if you want Cassidy art at its finest, Astonishing X-Men is it. And it's awesome. Well, I, I think it's across the board. It was comic books is a team sport, and this book shows how well a team can work together. I mean, it's 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 perfection in comic booking, and I think each of them played a perfect part. The writing of it, the 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 panel layouts uh, uh, and the way everything was drawn, the coloring, the tone, everything was all a team effort here. And I, I don't think anyone should be can I, out of that equation. Can I give I a shout out? They all can I give another shout together. out there? Because, you, because we were talking about all of the... Of course. Shout them out. Laura Martin on that Cyclops shooting out pages. Those, those reds, those... Those... Those different, different, different shades of red... And how all of these de- this debris and and beams are flying everywhere. This is what Cyclops' beams should be colored as and look. I don't care what anyone says, because holy crap. Get, like, 
Casabay's great, but again, like I will die on the hill saying Laura Martin is the best colorist in the industry. I have never seen anyone else's colors just be as fluid, as riveting, as uh, as eye appealing as her stuff goes. The lighting is perfect. Every color I feel like in this book is pitch perfect. All done by her, and and literally the red. She gets the red. Like, I, when I think about Cyclops and I think about the, all the different shades of red, which is crazy to me because I know that we males are not as good as females in, in searching for the different tones of colors in that department. But when I look, when I, when I. Is that like legit science? Wait, hold that on. That actually is, that is like legit, legit science. science. Females can see more different or more shades compared to men. Well, that explains why all, yeah, the best colors are women, now that I think about it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It does, it does, doesn't it? (laughs) Um, Like Rachel Rosenberg, uh, there's a a lot of amazing female colorists out there in the industry. But yeah, like I said, Laura Martin, uh, we talked about her in the previous episode, which you guys should go check out anyways. Amazing colors, all the greens, all the reds, freaking Emma's costume in white, the yellows on the ex-uniforms. Danger, Danger, Beast Blues, Space, All Out, even, like, her space. Well, and even, and even the contrast, too, like, that scene where she, he's shooting through the building and, like, armor, armor is up to get out of her handcuffs and, like, hers is red and it's, like, contrasting with the red that's there. It was just really, it's really awesome. Really good work. Like, because with armor's costume, too, like, I want to talk about that for a second because with armor, her costume... Or her, her outfit, I should say, with uh, with her powers in because she has armor, has to look different compared to like all the other stuff that she's wearing. But Laura does it does does those pink so well that like it gets ah so good. I really don't have anything much else to say besides like she, the, the, everything in contrast, everything is fluid. It's all different, and it all makes sense in for for the story and everything else that's going on like it doesn't feel like a dead book like laura really excels at bringing this book to life bringing cassidy's pencils to life bringing these amazing fight scenes to life and making sure that every single tone on the page is put well and done well so it's it's just a testament to how awesome her work is Seriously, and and it hasn't stopped being this good either. This wasn't like her peak. She's been consistent like this for decades now in the comic book industry. It's crazy. It, it's crazy, isn't it? Like I I think of um, and we'll never we're probably never covered on this podcast, but I always think of Laura's stuff in J. Michael Straczynski's Thor, which was penciled by the amazing Olivier Coipiel. The way that she does Thor's like lightning and how it like crackles to the ground and. But just like the fact that the lightning felt alive, it's a it. She just dazzles me every time. There hasn't been anything Laura Martin's colored that I haven't liked. That's how crazy it is. Like I've and I've I've gone through a lot of other like you know artists where I'm like oh the colors feel flatter, feels off. Like it's it's never like that with Laura for me. It's so I I hope that it, the more books we cover, she 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 pops in and says hey I'm. I'm coloring X-Men again. I'd, I'd love to have her on too. too. So, like, I, I love Laura Martin. She's awesome. Yeah. Oh, and she's a delight, too. I've met her once. We were friends on Facebook, but, like, I just, you know, talk on her posts. But then I met her at DragonCon one year, and, oh, my God, she's delightful. 
She is just just such a mensch. I love her. Oh my god. Yes. But um she probably doesn't even remember meeting me. It was one of my my peak moments of meeting <clears throat> comic book people. This was super random. I was literally just walking back from getting some water from at the fountain and I like I'm like screwing the top of my water bottle and then I look up and I'm like, "Oh my god, Laura Martin." She's like, "Yeah." I was like, "I'm a huge fan." Da, 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 da. I follow you on Facebook. She's like, "Oh, okay, sure." And she acted like she knew me. <laughs> it's okay though. I understand. It's convention stuff. You know how many people I, I like, oh yeah, I totally remember you. No, never. Uh, I remember faces, though. I will say that. I just don't ever remember names, and I never will. Never. It's just never going to happen. Um, but yeah, anyways, moving on. Yes, she's great. She's a wonderful person and awesome co- comic book artist. You guys should definitely follow her and check out all the stuff she's doing, because she, she also does a little bit of drawing, too. All right? She's a full-on artist, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, man, all the best colorists yeah. can do and can dabble in a little bit of production in as well. Like, I know that... Because if you, if you didn't know this, Dylan, Chris Eliopoulos, who is the letterer for this comic book, does art and colors in as well. He's not just, I type on a page and I do thought bubbles. He also does a good deal of covers huh. and art in as well. I know, it's crazy, isn't it? It is crazy, isn't it? It's fantastic. It I is very fantastic. Chris Eliopoulos is well. I don't think he works for virtual calligraphy anymore. See, I have an odd thing with letterers, and and I want to talk about this for a second. And this might deviate from the astonishing X Men recap or whatever it may be. Lettering is a very difficult job. In the and and, and no one appreciate. And I've I've done this before where I had where I lettered in. For one of my buds' web comics that he put out for his portfolio, and I'm telling you, when you make those bubbles, when you do it in Photoshop or whatever uh, program you do it in, making sure that all of the letters are kerned equally and spaced out, and and making sure that the boxes oh, yeah. match the tone of the story and whatever expression the character has, it is very difficult. And so I'm going to give a hard wow. And, and, you know, bravo to Chris Eliopoulos who did the letters on this comic book. And I'm just saying, like, it's, it's, a, it's a part of the industry I just don't think that people get a chance to appreciate because we always gloss over it. But those letterers, man, they work hard. They work hard at their jobs and they do awesome. And I think Eliopoulos did an awesome job here in this book. Here's the problem that letterers have, okay? If a letterer does an amazing job you don't even notice them if it that let me let me rephrase that so if it's if they're if they set the letters up perfectly you just completely zone out and it just becomes part of the art itself and you don't even really notice it you just think of it as part of the pictures but that's a whole separate section that of someone that brought that in there and but when there's bad lettering you can always tell bad lettering always because it messes up the flow if you're just being able to read it and flow and go through it quickly that or not even quickly but at the the pace that it needs to be that that means they're a good letter and so when good letterers don't get any cred because they're like you, people don't notice it you know they don't even see it uh which is why a lot of uh, uh, there's a lot of letterers that are, are like really <laughs> do some amazing stuff and you'll, you'll never even hear their name. I bet a lot of people don't know about Richard Starking or, or uh, Troy Petrie. You know, these are some top shelf, some of the, the best letterers in the business and no one even mentions their names, you know, but everyone, industry people they do. know though. They industry do. Industry people know though. So, they do. 
they, they do. They know. And Richard Starkings is an amazing letterist, let me tell you that. Because I, I made it a weird effort just because I, lo- I love to dabble in graphic design myself. And it's something that I've just noticed. And it's why, like, you know, like people know Tom Mueller on the Xbox now. It's because he's doing an amazing job with the designs and all that. It's just a part of the, it's just Definitely. a part of the uh, comic book industry and the job that just never gets noticed because they always do the post production. You know, they're making sure that all the, all the stuff lines up and all the boxes line up. But it's something that I really want people and is uh, to, to just be more aware of. Because because lettering I think is part of the art too. Like all of it, and I talked to Joe about this. All of this comic, uh, comic work that people do, it's all synchronous. It's all this. You know, it goes to the writer, then the artist, and the colorist, and and then the letterer. Right? Like the letterer makes sure that everything lines up and is organized, and and they they just don't they just don't get any of the fix of the of the job, and it, it it upsets me because I know how hard it is to letter a comic book. It is very hard, and no one um, appreciates, you know, the work enough. So, like, when when people, you know, read a comic book or they look out and see, oh, who was the letterer? Who was the letterer who did this book? Um, I just want people to be more aware of it, you know. And it's it's a again, it's just a part of the industry that just gets overlooked because, like you said, when people do a perfect job on it, no one, you know, no one mentions it because it's how it's supposed to be. But when they mess up on one thing or another thing which might not even be on them let's say it's a spelling error you know the, the editor should have caught that um you know everyone notices so it's it's a part of the industry i think i i want more people to just be formally more aware of is what i'm saying we should have some we we should have some letterers on the show that, that would be <laughs> i you know here's a here's my dream and this is this would probably never happen but clayton cowles who lettered Tom King's Batman. He's still lettering Batman right now, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zdarsky Daredevil. He's currently lettering John, the the X Men flagship title, and I think like 13 other titles um, in the in the in the. Oh yeah, see, letters take on huge loads because they can honestly knock out. Uh, you, they could probably knock out an issue a day, so they take on. Right. Huge they loads could, and and yeah, like you know, the, the books come in, and there's a decent amount of money to be made if you do more, and it stacks up, right? So, but yeah, I, I would really love to get Kyle's on this show because he is—he is one of the better-known letterers over at Virtual Calligraphy. He did—he's his name is on um, the Wicked and the Divine by Karen Gillan. He letters that. So and like there, like I, I can name off the, the, all the uh, X Office letters off the top of my head right now: Clayton Kyle's, Joe Sabino, Joe Caramagna, Corey Pettit, Ariana Maher, and there's one more I'm forgetting. What's the guy's name? Nicki no, Minaj. not Nicki Minaj. I, does she do design? I don't know if Nicki Minaj did. I'm pretty sure Nicki Minaj is lettering an X-Men book, bro. I'm pretty mm, sure. Okay. Okay. What is it? She does a lot. Oh, man. And that explains why there are so many X-Books. It's because of her. I got it. I got it. Thank you, Dylan. Thank you, Dylan, for, for the uh, information right there. But yes, guys, this, uh, this am- astonishing run... It, literally, by all means, astonishing. It's an it's an awesome. It, Whedon and Cassidy, Barton, Eliopoulos all do a fantastic job on selling. You know, I think people back to a regular X Men time. And and one thing I love too, very little Professor X, no Magneto. Uh, it's just all the X other X Men guys. And some people who might be upset that you know a lot of these guys are A list, right? Cyclops is A list for sure. Kitty Pryde A list. Uh, Emma Frost. Has become a list. Wolverine an S list, right? He's in his own list. Um, 
it's a great title for people who want to get into the X-Men but don't know where to start. It's a great title for them to pick up because it has all of the themes that are present in with you know what the X-Men stand for and, and how mutants um, affect you know the Marvel life. But it's also great in the fact that mm-hmm. um, if you don't know any of these characters, they do, they do a great job of introducing you to them, introducing to why they are awesome, and getting to know what the X-Men are like day to day. And that is why I 100% recommend this book to literally everyone. All 24, 25 issues the, of it. The best X-Men run ever. Don't care. You cannot find any better 22 issue. Any better just run on anything. It's perfection. It's perfection in comic booking. It's perfection in, in, in X-Men lore and history. And it brings so much new that we love today. Armor, guys. Armor alone. Armor alone. Okay? Sword, armor, danger. What else do you need, guys? Go pick it up. Astonishing X-Men. Amen. And get astonished today. We will be astonished today. And we have a lot of things coming up prepared for you guys. Excuse me. We have a... Okay, let me, let me repeat that. We have a lot of things that we have, uh, again, prepared for you guys on this podcast. And outside of this podcast, a lot of big announcements and coming in from me, hopefully from Dylan too. If my And now I no longer have a reason to be lazy because I now have a working system that can run through literally anything that stands in its way. So I am really excited to bring you all the uh, amazing content on there. And next week is the 30th, guys. It's We hit 30. We have something special prepped up and planned for you. Mm-hmm. I have something special prepped up and planned for you oh, guys. Yeah. Um, be there for it. Boom. Be there for it. Be there for it. I cannot stress to you enough to how big this thing is going to be. Get your hopes up. Get your There's hopes a, up. There's also a lot of other... Con- man, man, as the Hellfire Gala is coming in in a couple of months, we have... Well, when this podcast comes out, it'll be the first week of March. We probably won't cover anything uh, current until June, July, August. Probably July is what I'm what I'm thinking because the trades and all that stuff don't come out by then. Till then, guys, we still have a lot of older X runs we have to go to. We have to go through. Um, and again, being weekly, being being all this as it is, and all the hour long commitments, we have a very very we got we got a lot of stuff in store for you. A lot of other runs we want to get to. And so yeah, just again, just be on the lookout. Some one shots too, some one shots. There's a lot of one shots. Some some, a bunch of stories I can't wait to, to that both Dom is making me read and I'm making Dom read. It's it's gonna be it's it's a fun it's a fun experience for both of us. We are going to <laughs> definitely have a lot of fun doing that. And again, all will be well as the great Saint Walker of Prime Earth has said. Is he dead? I don't even know what's happening on DC anymore. But anyways, guys, if you want, yeah. <laughs> if you want to figure out what we're all doing, you can follow me at Domovex Studio. That's on Twitter. It's on Instagram. I'll reply to you. I'll say hi. Uh, I do all of that, all all of that over there. So if you guys want to see what I'm doing, what I'm prepping up, what I'm hope planning to do, go ahead, follow me there. You can follow Dylan at Mr. Dylan Gray uh, on every single platform. Like I said, um, you can also send us all your emails and and all that whatnot. 
uh, at domovexpodcast at gmail.com. That's at domovexpodcast at gmail.com. We want to thank, again, the Grand Geek Gathering, the awesome peeps over there uh, for hosting this amazing podcast. Thank you to Tyler. Thank you to our amazing producers who let this show, what it, like, make it make it what it is. Like, let us be us and, and all of that. They're awesome. Again, if you guys haven't yet, go check them out. Uh, I want to thank Dylan again for being my podcast co-host for 29 straight episodes. I'm hoping to make it 290 more. So, yeah. Uh, again, thank you for being here, sir. No problem. So wait, so you want to, so wait, let me get this straight. You said 290 more. So that means all together you want to have 319 episodes. Mm, 319. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, a, that's what? That's it. That's our goal, guys. 319. 319 is our official goal to make this podcast one-tastic. And so with that, I want to thank again, <laughs> with that, I want to thank everyone of you who, uh, who who's here listening to support us. Uh, the 30th is going to be coming out. We got some, I guess, something big planned up for you. We will catch you on Krakoa the next time with me, with Dylan. So see you guys then. Have a great day. Stay safe. And I'll just be you guys.